We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Thank you. It's so good to be with you. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Uh, he and I go all, all the way back to about 45 minutes ago. And it is a privilege to be with you here this morning. Uh, Pastor Lance and I met, uh, I don't know, honey, perhaps a year ago. And he didn't know us from anybody. And we got together and had coffee at Sable's. And the more he learned about what we do, the more he said, yeah, we need to explore that a bit. You just saw my wife, also known as Vanna, who came up here. Actually, her name's Faith. Uh, Faith is a retired surgical nurse. So at the break, if you have any minor surgeries, uh, we, can, we have a discount rate that we offer to people. I want to talk about how to handle the chaos in your life. But before we go there, I want to tell you a little bit about our ministry of Soulmates for Life. Uh, we have a passion for people to have healthy marriages and healthy families. And so I've got a master's degree in marriage, family, child counseling. We've done couples counseling for over 35 years. And along the way, we came across an assessment and a way to apply it biblically. And it just absolutely has rocked our world. If you can put that PowerPoint slide up there that I think it says Soulmates for Life. Uh, there you go. This is a couple from Florida and what they had to say. Uh, earlier this year, we did Soulmates for Life at Purpose Church here in Kalispell. And I had a guy come up to me and he said, I really don't want to go to this. I've been to these things. Uh, he's a civil engineer, works out of Eureka. And he goes, yeah, I've been to all this stuff. And my wife really doesn't want to come. She's a doctor. She's been to all this kind of stuff before. But I'm an elder in the church, and I'm going to have to come to see what you're up to. And I felt so encouraged when he was done. And uh, then the next morning, he stood up in front of the church and said, I was wrong. There's nothing like this out there. Every one of you should have been there. So we're talking about maybe doing Soulmates for Life here somewhere in the future. But the next time we'll do it will be in September 24th and 25th at Adventure Church in Kalispell. And after the service, Faith and I will be down here somewhere. And if you'd like to talk to us more about that, we'd love to know. Standing Stone Ministry, we look for homes that are really high quality or lakefront cabins. And we invite pastors that are just exhausted to come spend a week with us so we can encourage them, uh, help them heal their wounds and blow wind in their sails again help them dream again so if uh you have something like that please talk to us if you have a neighbor and they're gone a lot of the time you know where they hide their key uh let us know as well okay let's talk about how to handle the chaos in your life and i want my computer to cooperate and it's not doing that isn't that fun don't you dare Faith and I are survivors. I'm going to have to start this over because it just decided, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Faith and I are survivors of the campfire. Maybe some of you have heard of it. The campfire went through the town of Paradise. Still not going to cooperate, but I can get around that. You'll just bear with me, won't you? Yeah. 
The campfire was the deadliest and most destructive wildfire in California's history and the most expensive natural disaster in the world in 2018 and in terms of insured losses. The campfire is the deadliest wildfire in the United States since the Cloquet Fire in 1918 and ranks number 13 on the list of the world's deadliest wildfires. It's the sixth deadliest U.S. wildfire overall. We lost everything. Faith was in surgery that morning. Uh, she left her wedding ring behind thinking that uh, it would be there at the end of the day. But the fire came into paradise about 8, 8.30 in the morning, a town that had been there for 100 years, and by 12, 12.30, 95% of the town was gone. You think about paradise, Megalia, Concow, Lovelock, Sterling City, Toad Town, DeSable, all the little bergs you've heard of, not. Uh, population of about 50,000. Imagine Kalispell, gone in four hours. Basically, that's what happened. Can you imagine the chaos that creates in your life where suddenly you don't even have an extra pair of socks? Uh, where our wedding album is gone? Pictures of all our kids? My boat? That was horrible. <laughs> Kayaks? Mandolin my uncle gave me? All gone. Our plan was to do standing stone ministry out of a hotel suite that we had built off the back of our home overlooking the Feather River Canyon. We could see the Feather River going through the canyon 24-7. It was to be completed on November 9th. On November 8th, it burned to the ground. How do you make sense out of that chaos? Here's one account of what happened. Let's roll that video. The morning of November 8th, a massive wildfire tore through California mountain communities north of Sacramento. Because it started near Camp Creek Road, it was called the Campfire. The cause is still under investigation. But within a couple of hours, it devoured the town of Paradise, population 27,000. About 95% of Paradise was lost. Its smaller neighbors, Concow and Megalia, were all but destroyed. Until now, Last year's wildfire in California's wine country was the worst on record in the state. The Federal Climate Report released last month warns increasing extreme heat and drought conditions could make future wildfires even worse. Tonight, we'll take you into the campfire and show you what the firefighters saw. That video and the destruction had us wondering how anything could be worse. This is paradise, or what remains of it, block after ashen block of burned houses and ruined lives. Three weeks ago, children played here, people shopped here, and families prayed here. The wildfire that roared through paradise was as random as it was merciless. In just a few terrifying hours, it killed about 90 people and destroyed almost 19,000 buildings, businesses, and homes. Paradise sits in the heart of Butte County. On the morning of November 8th, County Sheriff and Coroner Corey Honey woke up and saw an ominous glow. He knew it was a fire and it was heading his way. 
So at what point in the morning did you realize that you had to evacuate this whole town? I think the best way that I can characterize it is um, it was outrunning us before we even knew we were in a race or what direction the race was going to take us. It was dark. It seemed like it was nighttime because the smoke had uh, blocked out the sun. Ash and embers were raining down. And as the fire grew closer, there was this real sense of it being hell on earth. Mandatory evacuations all of paradise. Get people moving now! The sheriff quickly mobilized his deputies. Firefighters raced to defend the town, but they were overwhelmed. The fire was too fast and too big. I'm coming. Strike Team 9231C found themselves driving straight into the inferno. The crew shot this video from the truck. Things gonna make a hard left. Captain John Jessen was behind the wheel. He told us he's seen many wildfires in his 24 years as a California state firefighter, but all paled compared to this. Needless to say, there was considerable chaos for the approximately 50,000 people who were instantly dehomed. I can tell you, Faith and I are homeless. It's a strange place to be. People say, where are you going to move to? We can't move. We can only leave. We don't have anything to move. How do you make sense out of that? The stuff wasn't lost, robbed, stolen, sold. It doesn't exist. And even if we were to move back to the latitude and longitude called paradise, our friends are gone. One of them lives in Silverbrook now. One of them is moving to Eureka this week and will be a bus driver for the Eureka School District. He's one of the heroes of the fire. We have friends all over the United States. Our lives are changed. How do you make sense out of that chaos? One of the first things I want to tell you, want to share with you, and it's how we'll begin and it's how we'll end, is this reality. God's got this. In the midst of your chaos, just remember this. God's got this. I don't know what your chaos is like. I don't know what you're going through, but God does. And I'm here to tell you, he's way ahead of you. Last year when we were in the area, we were up in Eureka off of Glen Lake Road, off of Corvette Road, off of Stingray Road, out by Frozen Sneaker. I don't know, we were out there somewhere weird up there. And we found some Christian neighbors and they said, hey, come have dessert with us. We walk through the front door, look over the door that leads out to the garage and there's a sign that says, guess what? God's got this. Wow. We're reminded of that reality wherever we go. I don't know what the chaos is that you're facing, but I found that it's so uncomforting and encouraging to know like a puzzle God's got the big picture. You ever do puzzles? Any of you do that? All three of you? Good. You know, when, when you look at the puzzle box, you see this picture on the front, you go, there's the big picture. That's what I want the puzzle to look like. But what do you get? When you open the box, you get the big picture, but it's what? It's in chaos. Now, if you ever try to put a picture together, you come up with a strategy, you know, and you start telling people how you're going to do it. Uh, you're the one that's in charge of the puzzle and everybody else is helping you. And you say, okay, I get a straight edge. Let's make the edges, right? What other strategies do you use to put a puzzle together? Colors, colors, blue, 
Somebody said building. I'm going to say this is bark or uh, lumber, siding, whatever the cases may be. The reality is, as we look at this, all the pieces represent the big picture that's on the box top, but they're in chaos. This is like life. This is like the real deal. Sometimes we go through life and we say, I want everything to make sense. I want it to all come together now. And God says, no, I'm just going to give you one piece of the puzzle, one day at a time, and you're going to have to trust me with the big picture. Think about this as we are now closer to Christmas than we were to New Year's. Think about this chaos that perhaps not perhaps, that was in Joseph and Mary's life in what we call the Christmas season. Can you imagine guys being what we would call engaged to Mary and all of a sudden she says, hey, guess what? I got news. I'm pregnant. What? And God's the father. Oh yeah, I'm buying this one. I mean, really, think about it. And so he's, he's thinking about putting her away quietly to protect her so no harm will come to her. And all of a sudden, an angel appears in a dream. Let that one soak in. My wife-to-be is pregnant by the Holy Spirit, right? And now an angel's telling me, believe her. Wait a minute, I already have a plan on how to put her away and make sure she's taken care of, and now you're telling me no. After he had considered this, an angel Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. What does that tell you? He was afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. This is the first gender reveal party. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save people from their sins. Okay, so she's pregnant by God. I know he's, got a, he's going to be a son, and he's going to save how many people? Everybody of their sins. Right. <laughs> Talk about a puzzling puzzle piece. Then you take a look at what happens next. And you realize that God had already told his nation, his people, thousands of years before, the Lord himself will give you a sign and the virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God off in the distance? No, God with us, even in the midst of the chaos. Even in the midst I can imagine they're settling in as best they can with all this divine revelation. Life's starting to take on some sense of normalcy. Uh, I can only imagine Joseph going, I wonder what life's going to be like after she's done being pregnant. They're settling into the northern territory of Galilee when word comes from the Roman IRS. Hey, let's have a tax party. And the Roman governor the ruler of the most, the most powerful ruler of the world says, everybody's got to go to their hometown, be a part of the census, and pay taxes. Now, that's a 70-mile journey from Galilee down to Bethlehem. Ladies, how many of you in the third trimester of your pregnancy have thought, I'd like an adventure? 
How about a 70-mile donkey ride? Can you imagine? Really, God? What am I supposed to do with this piece of the puzzle? Paying taxes, that'd be enough to get you irritated, complaining about the chaos, but talk about a curveball now. Really? God? Now? Are you watching? Are you listening? Do you see what's going on? Explain this to me, God. I need an answer. But as Rick Warren has often said, when you're in the midst of chaos, you need God's presence, not his explanation. Emmanuel, God with us. So Joseph and Mary, I believe, are being tested. Difficult circumstances, finances they're going to need to produce, a trip they didn't plan on, a pregnancy that's divine, and they go to their hometown. Check this out. They go to their hometown and nobody has room for them. Can you imagine going back to your hometown? No friend has room for you. No family, no kids, no grandkids, no pastor. Pastor Dave won't even let you in. No place to go. God, what do I do with this piece of the puzzle? And if my child really is God, why does he have to be born in a feed trough? I don't get this. This piece of the puzzle makes no sense to me. And then the time comes for the baby to be born. You remember it? And all of a sudden, these wise men show up, and the Bible says, they said, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? Did Joseph know that title? King? You're kidding me. My son's a king? I thought he was just God, but now I realize he's a king too. We saw his star in the east. Even the planets and the stars are aligning around the birth of my son. How do I make sense out of that? And these guys are going to worship him? Is that okay? Is this idolatry? How do I make sense out of this piece of the puzzle? And then you think about it. Just as they think, yeah, we've got the plan, everything's working out. Oh boy, here comes another dream. Except in this dream, what is Joseph told to do? Go to Egypt. Oh, wait a minute, you told me you'd go to Bethlehem. I want to stay in Galilee. Now I'm going to Bethlehem. Now I'm going to Egypt? Talk about a lot of strange and weird pieces. Have you noticed that in the chaos of life, we oftentimes want to make sense out of it. We want the big picture in our time, and we want it now. And what God tells us is, I want to do each day with you, one piece, one day at a time. But in the midst of the pain, the stress, the pressure of it all, we have these questions like, why me, God? Or Joseph, can you imagine him saying, why Mary? Why now? Why taxes? Why Bethlehem? Why Magi? Why Herod? Why Egypt? Why, why, why? Sometimes like Joseph, we're in the midst of chaos. We want all our answers, but all we really get is chaos. And it just seems to come one after the other after the other. And we're going, I can't make sense out of the pieces. 
And those of you that are of a particular motivational value system that we teach at Soulmates are going, I don't know if I can stay focused the rest of the message, because now I'm worried about the chaos of the puzzle pieces. <laughs> we'll get back to that another day. Think about it. That's chaos. And we might be inclined to conclude that everything's gone, it's all ruined. You know what that's like? Your spouse died a lot sooner than your plan called for. I thought I was going to live longer. I never thought I'd have cancer. That happens to the other people. My family members have loved me for years. Now we're estranged. I went to that other church and suddenly nobody wanted to talk to me. I lost my job. My house burned down and everything in it. God, I don't understand. You know what that loss is like. But here's something important for us to remember. God knows what's coming our way. He knew that morning when I got in my truck and drove out a whole house distance, stopped and knocked on my neighbor's door and said, hey, the fire's right up the road. Get out and go now. And they went, yeah, whatever. I didn't know until after the fire that they had made it out. <laughs> Neat German couple. He fought for two days in World War II. And when we finally saw him after the fire, he came over and we, we were rooting through our ashes. By the way, 48 years of marriage turns into about 18 to 24 inches of ash. That's it. That's it. Not us, but the stuff. <laughs> we're getting close to ash, but, you know, just the stuff. And we're rooting through it trying to find anything and there wasn't much left and Fred came over to me and said let me tell you what happened he said after you left I told Inga why don't we go use the bathroom and I'm going you're kidding me and he said you know I won't I think this is okay he said I you know went to the bathroom and then Inga pulled her pants down and backed into the toilet and she looked at me and said Fred why are the walls so hot and I opened up the bathroom window and the flames were already coming over the house he said she went out and got in the car and drove up the road and he went out and got in their Mercedes-Benz camper van. Didn't want to leave that behind like it's worth it. And he said, I looked up and the back wall of the garage was a thousand twinkle lights. He said, just beautiful. And I backed out, maybe got 10 feet, 10 seconds out of it. And he said, the whole thing exploded in flames. He said, I was that close to being incinerated and had no clue. It's amazing how in the midst of the chaos, we think God is oblivious to what's going on. But the reality is, he's got the big picture. So let me leave you with three things. I'm not done yet, but let me impress upon you three things that we have learned out of this. And the first is this. In the midst of your chaos, remember, God has a plan. Now think about that. If we hadn't lost everything... I wouldn't be standing here today. I have no idea who you are. You'd have no idea who I am. I wouldn't be able to talk to you about the chaos in our lives and the things that really matter. But if you go back and look at the Christmas story, you realize that Joseph had a plan, don't you think? Have two kids, cat, dog, white picket fence. I'll make furniture and life will be good. And then they probably had a plan to have a nice, quiet birth in Galilee. You know, soft lights, music down, a jacuzzi, one of those rubber balls to bounce around on. You know, I, I, I don't know what. 
And all of a sudden, in the midst of this, they've got to take this long journey. And once Jesus was born, it appears they had a plan for staying in Bethlehem. An angel had to appear. A dream had to come and tell him, no, that's not God's plan. Herod had a plan to kill the baby Jesus. The Magi had a return home plan. Everybody in the story has a plan. But above it all, God had a plan. And his plan was sovereign. And have you noticed how God's plans do prevail? The scripture says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Do you believe that God has a plan for you? I sure hope you do. Because if you don't, you're just left to say, well, my job is to consume oxygen, calories, and water, and one of these days be worm food. Some of you may be saying, but I can't preach, teach, or sing. Therefore, I don't have any role in the kingdom. I have a Hebrew word for that, baloney. <laughs> and on the church I pastored, where I was in my 18th year there, we set up a whole ministry for everybody that had a trade, and it became a ministry that the town asked for. God has a plan for you. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, he wants you with him forever, but he wants that daily walk that puzzle piece each day to start now. Emmanuel, God with us, fulfilling the plan for which he created you. You remember that famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11? I love it in the message translation. It says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. Last month, Faith and I had housing planned out in Eureka through the end of October. That all went up in smoke as a partnership dissolved. Then Faith and I are going, okay, so what are we going to do? And then Pastor Lance asked me to speak here today. And then we looked at each other and said, where are we going to live? And then Pastor Curtis and Stephanie McDuffie from Chapel of Praise in Eureka said, we're going on vacation for two weeks. Guess what the dates are? The exact two weeks we need housing. And we've seen that again and again and again and again and again. It's too easy in the midst of the chaos to forget that God's got this, that he is ahead of us, that he has a plan. And sometimes what we do in the midst of it is we say, you know what, God, is, you're not doing things the way I want them done, so I'm going to make my own plan. And oftentimes what leads us to make that plan is what I call what-if alley. It's a dark, damp, demon-infested alley where we start going, what if we don't have a roof over our heads? What if I don't have socks? Why don't I have these jeans? I bought them in Kalispell right after the fire. What if, what if, what if? And we start replacing our faith with all these what-ifs because Either we disagree with God's plan or we're not even sure he has a plan. The moment you find yourself walking down what if alley, do a 180. It's called repentance. In Psalm 46.10, we read, let go of your concerns. Then you will know that I am God. I rule the nations. I rule the earth. Faith and I are trusting God for a place to live. 
We're still working with the power company bankruptcy trust, a settlement that comes out of this fire. We don't even know for sure what our budget is for a home. We know what we're praying for, but we've been living out of a suitcase for two and a half years. I'm looking forward to having a set of spoons. The first 14 months after the fire, there was no housing available anywhere within two hours. Some of the surgeons that Faith worked with had to drive back and forth from Sacramento, literally a four-hour round trip. Faith had the couch at my youngest daughter's house. I had an air mattress on the floor. For 14 months, we lived that way. Two-bedroom apartment with grandkids. You know what we were really, really excited about when it finally worked out through insurance to have our own place? We were so excited we had doors. I kid you not, we walked into the place, I looked at Faith and went, doors. <laughs> it's amazing how through a season like this, you become to appreciate things that you usually take for granted. Oftentimes when we're in chaos, we go to extremes where we go, okay, God, you've got to work right here, right now, and you start working harder because you think he's not. And suddenly you're, you're eating up your stomach, your intestines are all twisted in a knot, you're eating your emotions, and you're gaining all kinds of pounds. Survivors of the campfire calling it the Campfire 15. Some of you do the exact opposite. You throw yourself a pity party and invite your friends and neighbors to it. And in the midst of it all, what we need to do is just realize perhaps the number one reason we're so stressed out in the chaos it's because we're working too hard. And God's just saying, hey, look, just take one piece, one day at a time with me. You're tired because you're in opposition to God and you're fighting against his plan. You see, the reality is God does have a plan. He does have this big picture. And as I said at the beginning, God's got this. He really does. God's got a plan. And I can guarantee you, it's a lot better than yours. Here's the second truth. In the midst of your chaos, remember, God provides. I had stepped down from the lead role of being the senior pastor of Paradise Christian and Missionary Alliance about a year, year and a half before the fire. We were putting together our marriage ministry. Faith was winding up her career at the surgery center. And then the fire hit, and we're going, will we have food? Think of that, a child of the king asking, will I have food? Will I have clothes? All I had was what I had on my back. How is God going to provide? Will he really take care of us? Think about the Christmas story. How did God provide for Joseph and Mary and their trip to Egypt? Do you remember? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Extremely expensive gifts. I can imagine when Joseph first got him going, you're kidding me, really? All I've got is a donkey. Where am I going to put this stuff? Am I going to get mugged? Is somebody going to roll me on the way to the farmer's market? You know, I, I don't know what to do with this. God was way ahead of him in his provision. God knew exactly what he was doing. They needed some serious capitalization for their two-year journey in Egypt. You see, even, and I would say especially in chaos, God is still our provider. Yeah. 
According to the Old Testament, that's one of his nicknames. Genesis 22:14, Jehovah Jireh, my God will provide, if you will. It's one of his superpowers. God knows we are frail human beings. He says, look at the birds, look at the fields. They don't stress or strain about food. On our way down here from Eureka this morning, a bunch of ravens were having a good time over a deer carcass. I can imagine like that far side cartoon that says, hey, it doesn't get any better than this, a bloated carcass and good friends. You know, <laughs> God takes care of them. What makes you think he's not going to take care of you? I remember one day I was really stressing about this. It was a cold December day. Somebody, I think my daughter had asked me to go get half and half at the store. And I got in the car and I'm going, here I am going to buy a quart of half and half, I hope. And I get out of the car, and I hadn't walked but a few steps, and I think it was a nickel was laying in the parking lot. And Faith and I have done things through the years. We pick it up and go, yeah, in God we trust. God's got this. I took a few more steps, and there was a penny, and then a quarter, and then a dime. And I'm going, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I go in and I buy the, the half and half. I come back out. I, this is the truth. I come back out. And a $20 bill is blowing across the parking lot in the rain and the wind. And I just kind of did one of those things. Put your foot on it and look around to see, to make sure nobody lost it. And after I stood there for probably 30 seconds and there was no one in the parking lot, I just picked it up and got all choked up. Just thinking, God's going, Larry, I'm not only wanting you to know that I provide, I really, really, really want you to know that I provide. Just stay in my will, stay in the center of my plan and stop stressing about it because I've got this. When you are in the center of God's plan, he will provide. That's just what he does. You see, the reality is sometimes we want to stress out rather than, if you will, trust in God's provision. We want to stress out rather than trust out. Through our journey, this is one of the verses that I've committed to memory. It's Isaiah 30, 15. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord, sovereign means he's in charge of it all. The Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. What do you need salvaged? What do you need saved? What do you need rescued? When you go back and look at the context of this chapter, it wasn't come to Jesus. It was an enemy is attacking the nation of Israel and we need to be salvaged. And what does God ask the nation of Israel to do? Repent and rest. If you're going down what if alley with all the fear, the doubt, the concern, the anxiety, what if this happens? What if that happens? I want to encourage you to repent and trust in God. It's a firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability, the strength of someone, in our case, God, and the something is to take care of you. When was the last time you got rest? Those of you that are type A and driven people, I'm usually pegged that way, but that's just a small part of the picture. It's so hard to rest. We're working with a pastoral couple now, and the guy's on sabbatical. He got so stressed out. And I told him, I said, you know what your assignment is, what your work is for these next three months? 
I want you to work resting as best as you possibly can. Take as many naps as you can. It's a contest. When was the last time you got, actually got rest? I have so many things to do. Like, you have more work to do than God? Whew. And repentance and rest is your salvation. What do you need salvage? And the first thing on your mind is, repent from my stress, my worry, my fear, and take time to rest in my king, to lie down in green pastures. Remember that scripture says, he makes me lie down. Remember my brother-in-law on the dairy hitting a cow right across the eyes, watching its front legs buckle. He's trying to move it into another pen and it wouldn't go. So he got its attention with a two by six. And right as I watched this cow buckle its front legs, that scripture went through my mind. He makes me lie down. What's it going to take for him to make you rest? And some of you say, I'm just so stressed. I, I'm just exhausted. I can't handle it anymore. I'm out of strength. What's the rest of the verse? In quietness and trust is your strength. Where's the quietness in your life? I was out with a couple of fishing buddies of mine on Flathead Lake a couple days ago. It's like 7.30 in the morning down there by Lakeside, right around where the islands are. We're out catching bass. I fish. I don't golf. I mean, how many of the disciples were golfers? I mean, really, think about it, right? And this lady goes by on a paddleboard with a boombox on the front of her paddleboard. Where's the quietness? Do you have to have noise around you all the time as a way to escape or deny the stress? He's saying, God, I want to hear from you, but there's never quiet. In quietness, and then he says, in trust is your strength. A lot of us that have been raised in the church believe, but do we trust? There's an old illustration of a guy that liked to walk the tightrope across canyons and stuff, and he strung a tightrope across Niagara Falls, had a wheelbarrow, loaded it up with bricks. A crowd was gathering, and he looked at him and said, do you guys believe I can actually push this wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls, turn around, come back? They go, oh yeah, oh yeah. We believe you can do that. He went across and came back. And then he looked at him and he said, how many of you will trust me to make the journey with me? And he dumped all the bricks out and pointed to the wheelbarrow. A child climbed in and they made the journey. Do you believe or do you trust? Is it all here and none of it to your hands and your feet and your heart? To say, God, I, I know you've given me this peace. I know you've got this. And so I'm just going to be quiet, unplug, set all my electronic stuff aside, my iPad, my Blackberry, my Marionberry, my Huckleberry. I'm going to set all this stuff aside and just be quiet and be with you. You'll be amazed at the strength that will come from being quiet and trusting. When we are in the middle of the plan that God has for us, he will provide. You say, well, what if I'm not in the middle of the plan? That's the repent part. 
turn from your plan to God's plan. You say, well, you know what? I'm getting old and I'm not all that sure God has a plan for me anymore. I found when I first went into ministry, I was too young to be a senior pastor. And now that I'm older, and I found out older gets older, the older I get. Now that I'm older, I'm too old to be a senior pastor. Does the enemy play those kind of games with you or your own flesh? They're always something that's not right that disqualifies you. Baloney. God has a plan, and until you, he takes you home, that plan is still in place. As long as you can fog a mirror, you better be serving and learning and growing. Even as well, all I can do is pray from my bed. Are you kidding me? That's one of the most powerful things you can do before I get here. We send word out and say, please pray for me because I can't do this in my own strength. Prayer is huge. Isaiah 46, 4 says, even to your old age and gray hairs, if you're lucky enough to have gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will do what? Sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. And in case you forgot that first part, I will sustain you. And if needed, I will rescue you. Does it say this is for the youth only? No. Even to your old age and gray hairs. Let that sink in. God has a plan in the midst of your chaos. He has a plan and he will provide. Remember, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. I love Psalm 103. He satisfies your desires, not just your needs, but your desires with good things. We have a tendency sometimes to satisfy our desires with bad things. But when we do it God's way, our youth is renewed like the eagles. There again is that strength that comes from being quiet and trusting. One more thing. In the midst of your chaos, remember God always keeps his promises. I mean, think about this. We serve a perfect God. So in light of his perfection, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, God is here with us and he's powerful and his omniscience says he understands everything you're going through and his provision for you is perfect. That's a promise. What that means is if God fails, all those omnis could potentially be challenged. If you think about that. God's not going to risk his perfect record on you. He's not up there going, oh my goodness. That situation is so difficult. Angels, you got any ideas? He's not wringing his hands over you. He's got this. Hebrews 10.23 reminds us, let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going because God always keeps his word. You say, what does this have to do with the Christmas story? Remember the prophecies? Born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem, from the line of Abraham, a descendant of Jacob, he was going to have to flee to Egypt. Those are all promises, prophecies that were kept. And that's just regarding his birth. What about the rest of his life, his death, his resurrection, his coming again? Those are promises that we can count on, prophecies that were fulfilled and came true in the life of Joseph and Mary. 
And I think we could give testimony after testimony of God keeping his promises to us today. God's got this, people. I'm telling you, as someone who's lost everything this earth has to offer, as far as material stuff is, is concerned, my wife, years ago, we were building our dream home. It was framed up. I couldn't believe it was happening. 38 bucks a square feet. A lot of people in our church came together to help us out. She looked at me and said, it's all going to burn. Talk about buzzkill. I just kind of going, well, thanks a lot. And then as I stood in the street and looked at it, I thought, yeah, it's all going to burn. What we invest our lives in lasts forever, but what we invest our, our lives in, the stuff of this world, it's all going to burn. We're just ahead of the curve. Remember this. In the midst of your chaos, God has a plan. He's with us. And he will provide for that plan, and he will take care of you. And that's a promise. And no matter what you go through, the word tells us this. God himself has said, never will I leave you. Never, never will I forsake you. God's got this. Would you bow your heads with me? It's our worship team. The rest of them comes on up. With your head bowed and your eyes closed just to keep you from distractions around you. Are you running the race according to God's plan, his course, or yours? If you haven't given your life to Jesus, may I encourage you to do so this morning. There'll be people at the banners that'd be happy to talk to you and share with you how to put your life into God's hands and to be on track with his plan. Some of you were tracking with God for years and now you've just kind of coasted and anytime you're coasting, you're going downhill. God's asking you to be faithful, to pick up the pieces each day and walk with him. And some of you are doing pretty good. And you're saying, hey God, I did really good with today. Can I have a whole bunch of pieces now? Nope, I'm not gonna let you run ahead. I want you to walk this plan, this life, this earth with me. Some of you may be stressing out over God's provision. Can you repent from that, would you? And just quietly say, God, I know it doesn't look good, but I trust you. And the goal isn't to get what you want, but to see what he will provide. And you can count on that. So I want to be quiet for a moment as the keyboard plays. If there's something you need to repent of before your king, would you do so right now? Father, I had no idea on that morning that everything would be gone by noon, but you did. And I can honestly say, even though there's still reverberations of what's happened, I can still say thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. And I know it's not only for me and not just because I'm a minister, but your love for all your adopted sons and daughters is true and eternal. And I just praise you and thank you for that. And I lift up these people to you. No matter what heartache, what scar, what betrayal, what loss, what, what wound there is, 
that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would do a healing and providing work that can only be explained by your presence. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for hearing us. In Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing our closing song, and then I'm going to be back with one more word, and Pastor Dave will close the service. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also, follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.